everyone, and welcome to the show. This is episode number 113 of Pop Culturally Deprived, and today we're going to be talking about Pixar's Inside Out on your Take Her to the Moon for Me podcast. I'm Andy Kay. And I'm Matthew Vose. I'm trying to remember whether 113 is the number that's in all the Pixar movies. <laughs> I don't think so, but if it was, that'd be really cool, and we totally did that on purpose. We, we complete yes. A A one one three is the animation room where most of the Pixar people studied, and A one one three turns up in a lot of their films. We absolutely did this on purpose. Totes one hundred percent planned yep. it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's funny. I kept looking at it, going, "Oh, I really must, um, you know, must double check that before the recording, so I can see like we're totally in control." Good. <laughs> it appears in Inside Out, it is graffiti on a San Francisco street. Nice. I didn't even think to look for any of the little Pixar things, like the, the truck and all of that stuff. Mm. Didn't occur to me. I imagine it's queuing on Lombard Street. You don't queue down Lombard Street when you're moving. You would not take that as a cut through, surely. I anyway. don't know anything about San Francisco, so... <laughs> I had San Francisco opinions whilst watching oh, this. Oh, Okay. <laughs> <laughs> inside out so this was um a little bit of a revitalization for pixar mm-hmm. um the same year this came out the good dinosaur came out i forgot that was a thing yep i think everyone forgot i think pixar forgot. okay it was not very good <laughs> um it comes on the back of i think cars 2 and monsters university ah. So it was a possibly lean couple of years, except they had this, which was very good and very successful, as we'll find out in a minute. Um, did you Were you aware of it at the time? Did you want to see it when it came yes, out? Yes, I was absolutely okay. aware of it. Every time I saw the trailer for it, I was like, I really should watch that. But I think this came out during one of my more significant hermit periods in my life. And so I wasn't going okay. to the movies because I didn't often right. go by myself. Um, and so I just never went. And then once it was out, it was just one of those things where, oh, it's on DVD. I can watch it anytime I want. So I'll get to it one day. And okay. I never did right. until now. Okay. Um, for anyone not aware of this film, Inside Out is a 2015 animated film produced by Pixar and released by Disney. It was directed by Pete Doctor. And stars the voice cast of Amy Poehler, Phyllis Smith, Richard Kind, Lewis Black, Bill Hader, Mindy Kaling, Caitlin Dias, Diane Lane, Kyle MacLachlan, and and more. The film was an enormous success with critics and audiences alike. It earned $857 million at the box office and set records for the biggest opening of a Pixar original, seventh highest earning film of 2015, and the highest opening for any film that was not based on other material. Wow. So sort of original IP. Mm-hmm. And if you give me a second, I'm sure that's been superseded by something now. Because I think Avatar used to hold that record. Uh, it has it has since been overtaken by The Secret Life of Pets as the biggest debut of original fo- Really? Material. Okay. Mm. I haven't seen that one either. Which I think speaks to cinema's popularity increasing in recent years. Right. Okay. People actually going to the theatre mm-hmm. and going on an opening weekend, that kind of thing. Mm. And it's also, there were lots of records about it, about like highest ever in Mexico, best performance of, you know, this production company or this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, it was the first, here we go, the first Pixar film to exceed one million rubles in Russia. Um, <laughs> and various other things. Thirty <laughs> fifth highest grossing film of all time. Nice. Although, oh no, now down to forty fifth. It's um, just behind Deadpool, just ahead of Fast and Furious Seven. Wow. Okay. <laughs> yeah. The reviews for the film were overwhelmingly positive. It was noted as an improvement for Pixar after a couple of lackluster sequels and an original concept that spoke to everyone. (laughs) (laughs) What? Have you changed I have not changed that. (laughs) (laughs) Did you copy and paste that? No. You typed it. So, for the audience at home, the outline says, with an original concept that soaked to everyone. So, this film soaks everyone, appropriately. (laughs) (laughs) Spoke to everyone, maybe? This is the part, I think I did this on the train up to Manchester early one morning, so, Ah. who knows. Um, Some, you know, my swipe keyboard thing Mm -hmm. has obviously changed that to... Soaked. Soaked? Spoke sounds most likely, doesn't it? Yes, yes it does. Good, good. This is starting really well. Inside Out won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature and was nominated for Best Original Screenplay, which is pretty standard for, you know, the the top Pixar films. Mm -hmm. Um, Worth noting, Pete Doctor is about to become creative head, head of the company, one of the most senior figures within um, Pixar itself. He was like the 10th employee of the company he directed up he's done lots of work on pretty much every film they've done um and with john laster stepping down he is taking over okay why don't you tell us a bit what it's about well after young riley is uprooted from her midwest life and moved to san francisco her emotions joy fear anger disgust and sadness conflict on how best to navigate a new city house and school Uh, question going into it Uh, how much were you aware of the setup and the plot? All I knew was that there was a little girl who had a lot of emotions and the emotions were characters. Okay. So I knew most of the movie kind of took place in her head, mm. but I didn't know the setup. I had no idea it revolved around a, a tween girl moving, that sort of thing. Okay. Uh, where was it on in the US? I was able to watch it on Stars. I have the Amazon channel Stars mm-hmm. because of Outlander. And it was there on okay. demand. It was wonderful. Did not have nice. to rent it. Although I don't actually think I could have rented it. Disney's kind of locking their stuff down in anticipation of Disney+. Plus. Yeah, so anyone listening to this, probably autumn onwards. I, I imagine you'll be able to get this if you have the Disney+. Right. Plus service. Um, over here, it has been on lots of services at different times. But it was on the, on the BBC over Christmas. So I recorded it on the DVR. You've been holding on to this since Christmas. Yeah, a little nice. bit. Nice. <laughs> you are so, like, prepared. <laughs> I think I've said before, I was just so sure we were going to do this. I thought, well, I'll record it, yep. and then it's there. We might do this in the next two years, so I'll just hold it on my DVR. <laughs> oh, I have... What have I got on there from when we first got it? So it must have been 2015, 2016. I think I've got um, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang. Oh, wow. A couple of Os- Oscar winners on there. Just things that I've gone... Yeah, probably at some point. Uh, I'll just get that downloaded. Oh, yeah. We've talked about Kiss Kiss Bang Bang a couple times. Mm. We'll have to do that just to clear up some room on your DVR. Oh, I'm fine for space. <laughs> it's not a problem. Um, okay. Although seasons like Grey's Anatomy and stuff starting back again, that does start taking up the space. Yes. <laughs> All right. 
Um, a very big cast to this, um, but effectively, did you ever watch The Office? Yes. Okay. So the U.S. Office. Yeah, a good chunk of this cast you are aware of them from before. Yes. Because we know you watched Sparks and Rec. Right. It's funny. I didn't pay attention to who the voice cast was mm. before I watched it, so I really had no idea. And as I was listening, um, Joy's voice... I I knew it was super, super familiar, and I just wasn't placing it. Right. But then Disgust, I immediately knew it was Mindy Kaling. So okay. Like, that's Mindy Kaling. I totally get it. Everybody else, I was like, I'm not entirely sure. Like, they all sound really familiar. And then Joseph happens to walk through the room, and he goes, that's the Parks and Rec chick. I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. I absolutely can hear it now. Um, and then everybody else, I didn't – I never put the name to the voice until okay. afterwards. Right. Put that on her tombstone. <laughs> that Parks and Rec chick. That Parks and Rec chick, yes. <laughs> yeah, Phyllis Smith. Is, I, I'm not even sure she's trying a voice at all. It's just her, I don't think it? so. Yeah. <laughs> I was trying to figure out who it was because it sounded so familiar. And the way the character was drawn, I kept wanting to say that must be Melissa McCarthy. Okay. But it didn't sound like Melissa McCarthy, but some of the inflections and just the way the character was, like, animated Mm. made me think Melissa McCarthy. And so it never even occurred to me that it would be Phyllis Smith. But then when I saw the name, I was like, oh, yep, absolutely. (laughs) I've I've tried watching a bit of The Office since watching this. Yeah, I was like, you know, I should give it a go. Mm -hmm. Um, I watched a couple of the season openers and just it did not get me. And I've I've tried because I I wondered if it was that the season openers are all about Steve Carell and the sort of big plot stuff. Mm -hmm. So is it just that I don't like his character so I should watch the rest? So I've watched a few of episodes of season four and it's just, it it feels like mean people doing mean things to other mean people. I'm, I'm not into it at all. And there's occasionally like brief flashes of a... Uh, you know, Rashida Jones pops up occasionally. You're like, oh, great. Oh, but they're being weird at her. No. <laughs> it's it's um, not getting me, I'm afraid. Th- I, I totally get it. I didn't get it until season three. Right. But I also watched every episode. So you know me, I'm a completionist. So yeah. I just started at the beginning and went through. And it was hard until I got to season three. And then I think that's when Jim and Pam clicked for me. And Jim and Pam is the reason I love The Office. And, and so I can forgive a lot of things to get to experience Jim and Pam. Mm. And then later on, you, you know, Catherine Tate shows up later. And of course, that's just delightful. And that's wonderful. <laughs> Your mileage um, may vary on Catherine Tate, though. Yeah. Possibly, possibly. <laughs> I mean, her character is absolutely terrible, but it's Catherine Tate. So <laughs> everyone seems terrible in this. Because even Jim and Pam, I can see why you'd like it, because they are kind of audience surrogates. Mm-hmm. The, the most ordinary people, but also they're a bit awful to the people around them until they feel sorry for them and then do nice stuff every episode. <laughs> like, I don't know. Jim and Dwight just kind of make me happy too. Their whole feud. Right. It's great. So yeah, that's The Office. That's The Office. That's you know, and it's office not for everybody. Yeah, no. <laughs> I, I, I think I can see where the humor is there, but because the people are awful, it's putting me off. Whereas in Parks and Rec, I enjoyed the humor because they were good people trying things at least. Okay, that makes sense. That was the difference for me. Hmm. I can't wait till Brooklyn Nine-Nine comes back. Let's finish that one up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The other um, Pixar material. Pixar do a fairly standard story of what if this thing had feelings and 
had to go on some sort of adventure quest chase thing. <laughs> Things yeah. get lost and have to get home. What immediately comes to mind is similar as Up. Mm. I mean, obviously the stories are different, but the the emotional story that it tells is very similar. It evokes the same kind of emotions. Right. I think Pixar just is really good at doing that. Okay. Mm. I mean, yeah, because Toy Story is Woody and Buzz get lost and have to get back. And then A Bug's Life, I think, is more of a quest than getting back to a thing. Finding Nemo, Nemo gets lost and has to get back. Uh... <laughs> they do have a very good story that just works in different <laughs> situations. Yes. Car- cars, Lightning McQueen gets lost, has to get back. Wally, kind of the same. Wally, uh, well, that that's a little bit more of a quest, him going after Eva. Right. Eva. <laughs> I think even the good dinosaur is the good dinosaur gets lost and has to get back. Oh, <laughs> okay. But you have seen some of them, so you're sort of aware of their setup and style. Yes. Yeah. Right, Inside Out, what did you think? Did you enjoy it? I did. Do you see what I did there? Did you enjoy it? <laughs> ah. <laughs> Does it count if you have to, like, point it out to me? What it, you did? it was a joke. You got the joke right. Tell me you got the joke. <laughs> yes. And I think I'm on the right track. Get it? Track? Because horses run on tracks and you are a horse and I am a horse. Do you get it? Do you get my joke about the track? Okay, there's a whole page of this. Should I write him back and tell him I get it? <laughs> <laughs> did you actually en- enjoy it? Because there are two sides to this film. There's some actually quite interesting stuff going on with the emotions. And then it's a film on it unto itself. It tells a good story, mm. and it tells that story well. Okay. So, yes, I, I enjoyed the experience of watching it, and I thought it was a movie worth watching. We we talked about how you weren't aware of what the story was going to be. Mm-hmm. It's, it, it's a really nice way of doing this thing, putting the child through something fairly traumatic. I, I, I quite like the setup for it, except I don't believe she would only find out on the day the house is sold and they move. It feels a little... No, no. If you had a small child, you'd be prepping them for this and t- talking about the new place they're going to and showing them pictures. And... Right. Surely, surely, surely. <laughs> Nobody ever said Pixar and Disney could do good parents. <laughs> That's fair. That is very fair. Because <laughs> things keep getting lost and having to get home. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but I do like what they put her through. I, I, there is a video on YouTube... Obviously, there was a video on YouTube, but there was a video on YouTube where someone's taken all the Riley sections and basically turned them just into a like seventeen-minute film. Okay. So inside out without the emotions. Mm-hmm. It's really good. It's really touching because okay. it's just about this girl moving, getting really sad, and and things piling up on top of her um, with the you know bad time at the school, and then her friend finding a new friend, and she decides to go home, and then realizes she shouldn't do that, and goes home, and her family are really there. The the core story is really good and really touching. Mm-hmm. But then we have the other story on top of it of joy and sadness get lost and have to get home. Right. Mm. Which is also good, if a slightly weird representation. <laughs> I like it because it, it takes this thing that is kind of normalized in the world that, you know, the idea that sad people should just choose to be happy just don't be sad anymore Mm -hmm. and and that's really what joy embodies here she doesn't believe sadness has a function 
She doesn't believe sadness is necessary. Mm -hmm. You know, she takes sadness and sticks her in that circle and says, don't move. Don't touch Mm -hmm. anything. Just don't be. Mm -hmm. And the story is also Joy's development and understanding that sadness is necessary. That sometimes Mm -hmm. sadness can be good and that sadness can create growth essentially. Mm. And so it's Joy's growth story as well and learning to accept that sadness is okay. Yeah. And and for Pixar to to tell that story and to take that teachable moment and put it in a child's film mm. is just delightful. It is really wonderful. It's so it's so skillfully done because they build on the sadness throughout. Mm-hmm. You you have sadness as kind of a stereotype you know she loves where the dog got put down and standing in the rain being cold and miserable and like the joke of it but then you have seeing sadness helping bing bong because he lost his cart then the sadness of actually losing bing bong and all the way through she's sort of realizing oh actually sadness has a place in this and they they Mm -hmm. sort of build up to and now let's apply that to riley right and that that moment where her family console her and everyone's sad together and that makes things better it's very good and it's done in such a way that doesn't feel preachy absolutely Mm. it's done in a genuinely it's it's done in such a natural way Mm. like it builds on itself so that it it seems like the inevitable outcome yeah without it being crammed down your throat Mm. you you take the steps with joy as she goes yes yeah i i really like because obviously I'd, i'd seen this before i saw this at the cinema when it came out and I have caught bits of it since. Like, I don't think I've ever sat down to watch the whole thing, but I have definitely watched chunks of it at a time. And it's really interesting watching it again, knowing what's coming, and seeing that there's a, an element of mania to Joy. Mm-hmm. Just like, oh my God, you've got to be happy, you've got to be happy, you've got to be happy all the time, you can't be sad, no sadness is allowed, you've got to be happy. And that sort of manic, uh, manic depressive of trying to put on a happy face all the time. Mm-hmm. And pretend that you're happy and good. And it, that feels even more advanced isn't the right word. But another level of, oh, actually, this is this is a more fundamentally troubled, emotionally unbalanced child in some ways. Who's mm-hmm. trying to be happy all the time. And her mum puts pressure on her to be happy all the time. And that she's trying it. and And you then get to see the damage it does without necessarily seeing it in a really bad way having mm-hmm. a very significant consequence on someone. Right. Mm. This movie is kind of deep. Yeah, it really is. It's so very well done. There, there was a terrific... So our uh, friends over at Way Too Seriously cast did this um, a, a good while back. And I remember they talked about actually helped them discuss things with their children because it has this representation of what is going on in your head. Mm-hmm. I'm sure they talked about... They, they sort of used this as, to describe... Um, uh, Alzheimer's or dementia, something on those lines. About it's it's effectively all your memories are going into the pit. Mm, it's okay. you know, and you can't pick which one is and isn't. And it is just it. it, it I, I can really see it helping people to discuss it. I know on on Twitter, our friend Caleb said um, that he loved it and it helped him to talk about his emotions in a different way when going through counselling. And it really does do that. It helps visualise in a very clever way. Both the emotions and the idea of, you know, sadness is the one in control at the moment. So that's why I'm feeling this. There's no other reason for it other than sadness wanted to push the button, effectively. <laughs> as as well yeah. as, you know, you see it in Riley. Once some of her emotions go, 
she kind of shuts down and does not know how to feel the right thing. Mm-hmm. And then you get into what it does with memories and what it does with the core memories and the islands of personality and stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. It was also a really interesting portrayal of depression. You don't often see that in a child, which mm. is what they did here. And yeah. um, I, I like that it was done in a kind of circumstantial way. Like this thing happened, therefore we're going to respond to that thing. But it still showed what depression is actually like. You know, mm. it, it got to a point where her emotions were frozen. They were unable to do anything. And so she wasn't feeling anything. Mm. You know, Joy wasn't there to push the button. And so nobody else knew what to do. And so she just kind of shut down internally for a little bit. Mm-hmm. That's a really great representation, especially to get a child to kind of understand why they may be feeling the way they're feeling or why they're not feeling the way they think they should be feeling. Mm. Like this movie just does so many wonderful things and and showing that emotions are okay and that what you think is normal might not be normal or it's okay to not be what you think you should be. Yeah. It did some really, really great stuff. Was there anything in here that you didn't agree with or stood out as um, being difficult or not quite right? No, I think there are probably some emotions that I just don't relate to as easily. Mm. Um, I I don't typically suffer from a lot of anxiety. And so watching fear mm. be in control was slightly not unrelatable, but just not quite as relatable for me. Okay. I mean, there are certainly some things where absolutely fear is pushing the buttons for me, <laughs> but right. but not quite as many. And so that one was just different. Um, although I really enjoyed how they started working together and Joy was like, okay, Fear, I need you to put together the list of all the things that could possibly go wrong. Fear, I need a list of all the possible negative outcomes on the first day at a new school. Way ahead of you there. Does anyone know how to spell meteor? You know, and I realized that is the thing that I do sometimes. <laughs> right. So that I can avoid having Fear push the button. You know, I've got Fear working overtime in, in my head. Mm. Um and so there were things like that. I think my favorite thing, though, was just at the end recognizing that it's emotions don't work in a vacuum. You know, it's not like this thing is just joy and this thing is just anger. Yeah. Like you can have memories that all of the emotions have touched. Hmm. And, and they work together to kind of bring a more full picture. And that's really the thing that I come out of the movie remembering. Okay. Which is probably... I mean, that's kind of the moral of the story. Mm. I think that's what they want you to come out thinking. Yeah. What do you think about the fact there are only five emotions? And and the portrayal, as we see, is everyone has these five emotions. Mm-hmm. I, I sort of feel like perhaps there should be differences or more, but that's really hard to teach people when you when you do that sequence going into everyone's head. Right. I I totally understand why they picked only five and, and mm. why they kept it consistent because it is... A child's movie, mm-hmm. you know, and so they're trying to make it relatable and understandable to children. And there are so many more emotions than that, that it can just get too complicated and complex. And and so they were trying to make it relatable. And mm. those are, at, at the very least, they're kind of the core emotions. You know, there are definitely more emotions than just those five, mm-hmm. but you can probably find those five in pieces of all of these other ones. Mm. I I like that they have 
disgust and anger as separate from having a hate emotion. Because mm-hmm. um, that, that would be very difficult to, I think, portray in any way that's sort of acceptable. And not, you know, deeply weird when you've got joy and everyone else. Um, mm. Disgust? Is disgust an emotion? Actually, you know, that's funny that you say that because that's just what I was thinking. Mm. It's like disgust is the one that I'm least sure about. Is it an emotion? Yeah. I mean, you you feel disgust or disgusted. So, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, but at the same time, it feels like joy is the only, and I'm going to say positive emotion. There are no positive and negative emotions as Deanna Troy taught us. Data. Feelings aren't positive and negative. They simply exist. It's what we do with those feelings that becomes good or bad. But <laughs> um, she's also the only one for good, happy feelings. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like perhaps there was something in one of the others that they could have done to kind of tailor it a little bit. Certainly when you leave the three in charge who are just incapable of dealing with it properly. Mm-hmm. Mm. So would you have brought in a sixth emotion? I don't know. I think disgust perhaps could have been changed. I feel like disgust and anger sort of do the same job of these are things that we don't like. Or or I would have defined disgust as, and I don't can't think of the emotion, but the way they use her is about style and fitting in and it's comradeship or sociability or something i don't know the emotion for that i can't think of it off the top of my head but honestly the way they characterized her in the green i expected her to be jealousy Mm. and not disgust i mean we are used to green with envy that is Mm -hmm. the thing Mm. Um, so is there another quote unquote positive emotion that you wish they had included i don't know i think and perhaps part of the point is Whilst I'm saying they don't have a hate, they don't have a thing that is just opposite to stuff, they have a joy that Mm -hmm. does sort of sum up all of the, when you're comfortable, when you're happy, when you're impressed, when you're proud, when you're, joy is the sort of, you know, summation, simplification of that. Mm -hmm. Maybe, maybe in all that, pride is the one, but I don't know, I don't know. It's complicated. Mm-hmm. And they probably had very long weeks discussing this and debating it and getting into it. And mm-hmm. mm. I think I read somewhere that they started with like 16 emotions and okay. they whittled it down. Right. I, I would have quite liked it, certainly when we went into the adult's heads, if we'd seen kind of a, you know, a gallery with more things just seated behind that we don't have to refer to. We can keep the f- sort of five core at the front and at the panel. Mm-hmm. But just more of a sense of you do develop more nuance to your emotions as you grow up. Well, I wonder if the idea is meant to be that once once we got to the end of the story and they started combining emotions into memories, that the combination of these core emotions are other emotions. Okay, they're kind of the catalyst em- elements for everything mm-hmm. else. Yeah, Maybe. Okay. Yeah, I like that. Mm. So... You mentioned about her being green and the way she looked. What did you think of the representations, the the sort of visual representations of these these emotions? Particularly, let's kick off, you have been called Joy before. I have been called Joy before. (laughs) And I think I might link to that picture somewhere (laughs) and put it in the show notes. 
Because <laughs> yeah, Mandy, Mandy um, is is Joy. <laughs> I I have been Joy with the short blue hair and the yellow dress. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, honestly, that's the only one that I think is odd. Okay. I mean, it worked, but I guess because yellow is such a bright, happy color, that's why they did that. Mm-hmm. Um, anger being red with fire coming out of his head makes perfect sense. Sadness being blue and kind of squat makes perfect sense. Um, purple fear doesn't make a ton of sense either. He was purple, yeah. right? Yeah, because they'd made Joy yellow, and yellow is the sort of cowardly custard color. Mm, yeah. I think I think sadness is the one that I'm... Because it's got that thing of the squat, unattractive woman. Mm-hmm. And that's then she's sad. And it's just... It's a little tropey. It's a little obvious. But in the same way that fear is, you know, a guy in a knitted sweater top thing. Mm-hmm. who's just very timid. Right. Yeah, I guess I I, I wasn't gendering them in my head when I was mm. thinking about how they portrayed them. And so for me, sadness being female, I I, I didn't link them together in quite that tropey way that you are. Okay. Um, I mean, it totally makes sense that you would. Um, I was just thinking of, of it more from the perspective of sad, blue, squat... Like, the, the idea, like, she really doesn't have a neck because she's just kind of all scrunched up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but but to me, that fits with sadness. Mm. Like, she looks the way sadness feels to me. And, and so it works. Okay. I, I, I wonder if part of that is because Phyllis is the same sort of shape, the one who plays her and the woman on The Office, who yeah. are all called Phyllis. Mm-hmm. If it's just because they are saying, oh, yeah, she's the representation of that. Which I'm not sure is true. Right. But hard to say. Yeah. I, I I quite like the thing that when you go into, again, the adult's heads, like all of the mum's emotions are wearing glasses and have the ponytail. All of the dad's emotions have the moustache that he has. So it's sort <laughs> of, they've solidified the self-image. Mm-hmm. And everyone's tended towards... Um, a sort of more female or- orientation with mum, a more masculine orientation with the dad. Mm-hmm. But that Riley isn't yet solidified in that way. Oh, I didn't even pick up on that. I, I do quite... I don't know if it's intentional or if it's mostly because they want us to be able to differentiate the characters even more. But the characters do not mm-hmm. look like her. Right. And I don't know if this is a, she's going to end up having a yellow dress and blue hair. <laughs> or, you know, the, some of the different styles and things. Um, but if you if you read a lot into it, I, I, I do enjoy that. I like the idea that because she's a child, she doesn't quite have a complete sense of self yet. And so mm. it's still, it, it's still emerging. Mm. I, I like that idea. And... and... I can remember the the way that I read it the first time I saw it, it, it is that it's like the sort of central emotion in each person's head. That's the one that kind of is their controlling, their core emotion that they go mm-hmm. to more than any anything else. So the dad's core emotion is anger, which doesn't quite sit. It doesn't sort of gel with the character that you see. So I wonder if it's more as they've grown up, whilst there is one that has sort of dominated over the others 
they are in much more cooperation. They all work together in tandem much better. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm interested in, for you having just seen it and having seen it for, for just the once. Did any of that stand out? How did you think about the way the emotions worked for the, the non-Riley characters? I, I definitely felt a, a larger sense of cohesion from the mom's emotions. Okay. For sure. Um, although really thinking about it right now, the dads kind of had it too because they all had that, that similar aloofness that dads get as mm. the butt of the joke on TV. Hmm. You know? Signal the husband. <clears throat> With a nice pass over the reef, comes across that right. <clears throat> uh oh, she's looking at us. Uh, what did she say? What? Oh, oh, sorry, sir. No one was listening. Is it garbage night? Uh, we left the toilet seat up. What? What is it, woman? What? I didn't notice if there was an emotion in either of them that was the take charge emotion the way Joy was for Riley. Okay. And so I think I just assumed in this world that Joy was intended to be the center. Okay. But now that you're saying that, maybe not. And maybe that's just how it was in Riley. Well, I don't, I'm not even sure if it's supposed to be because the mum's central emotion, the one seated in the the middle seat that's giving, seems to be giving more orders is sadness. And again, I don't quite get that from the mum. Right. So, oh. and I quite like the dad sitting there and, you know, off daydreaming about hockey and gets interrupted and so on. It's a nice joke. I mm-hmm. wish it would be he was thinking about sorting out the problems with his company. Right. Because there's this thing of he moves, then he says, we've only got funding for one more month. And then we've got to make layoffs and things. It's like, mm-hmm. okay, what have you jumped into? <laughs> like, <laughs> this whole move does not seem smart, dude. Come on. Right. <laughs> I mean, I was mostly just thinking about the state of the house they moved into. Mm. It's really kind of run down. Like, why are they moving into this house? Yeah. That's where I was. Is some of that because we're seeing it through Riley's eyes and Riley's emotions? It's not actually that bad, but... Oh, now that's a thought. I mean, I think I agree with you that, yes, it is run down and they probably, if it was empty, would have had work done on it beforehand. Mm -hmm. Because it seems, yeah, they're able to afford to move to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. So he's probably not doing too badly. And it seems like it's a really big opportunity, which is why he's going through this. Right. Mm. Maybe it was just from Riley's perspective then. Because sure. she's just seeing as this is not home, so yeah. it's not going to look nice. Mm. And again, there's the bit at the end where they, they're the family are all consoling each other and being sad together. And he's saying, you know, I miss it, and I miss that we did this, and I miss that you did that, and, and yeah. But there's there just needs to be one line for me of, but we have an opportunity here for a new life, and it's going to be a much better life because I've got all this great thing going on at work, and it's going to be so different for us. So this is why, just explain to your child why you've done it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Don't just be like, yeah, we're sad too. God, it sucks that we're here, right? <laughs> no, I, I understand where you're coming from. I think... I appreciate the way it was done because it was done to relate to Riley, to show Riley that she's not alone. Yeah. And I think it was more important in that moment to let her feel, to let her know that it's okay to feel the way that she feels and that they are also sad than it was to say, okay, we're sad, but this is going to be so much better. Mm. Um, I don't know. 
that that's just that's the perspective I got. Got it. And that's completely fair. Like they they obviously did it, and and yeah, these people are very good at making films, so they would have done it for a reason. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's probably standing out because I've watched it a couple of times, so I know what beat they're going for. Right. What else could you do with that beat? Mm-hmm. I had an interesting thought watching it through this time. Um, clowns. So they, Riley's sort of biggest, scariest fear is clowns. Mm-hmm. Possibly more specifically that clown. Um, and there is this thing of the clown is the manically happy character who is also crying on the inside. To the extent where, when, when we go into the clown's emotions at the end, you have the, the drama faces, the tragedy and comedy faces at the back. Um, and it, like, is that why it's her fear? Because she is a, a bit manically happy and joyful whilst repressing the sadness inside. Did they start with clowns? Are they trying to make a statement with clowns? Am I reading too much into this? No, I think all kids are just afraid of clowns. <laughs> Clowns are awful, dude. Kids love clowns. Do kids love clowns? Actually, don't they? Who else would clowns be for? Because adults don't love clowns. That is true. Adults find clowns creepy and off-putting. So kids must love clowns. Because otherwise, why would there be clowns? That is sound logic. (laughs) Clowns are to lure you into the gutter and rip your arms off. The the only other thing, this is a 9 out of 10 film for me. And the the reason I can't quite go all the way is, like I said, there's a couple of points to it. But the point it falls apart is when they're on the train and they're finally getting there. Having gone through imagination and abstract imagery and all the dream sequence and all of this, they're finally on the train, they're finally getting there. And one of the islands breaks down and that causes the train to track to collapse under them and the train to fall into the pit mm-hmm. and it's just this is an imaginary made up concept to allow us to understand what happens in the brain it's not real so why would an island that's imaginary made up falling down cause a train that's imaginary made up to fall down like these are not actual physical train tracks and island things <laughs> falling down like th- it's just that one moment of no this wouldn't happen but i mean the the train tracks were connecting the islands to headquarters and so when the last island fell then all of the other structures had nothing to support them but it's not a physical island and a physical train it's an but it was for the emotions (laughs) it's where they live dude um i totally buy it I, I think there's, I don't know what, but I, I feel like there's something they could have done to have gotten Joy and Bing Bong into the pit. That's not, uh, let's take this way that we're to, using to understand how things work inside someone's head and make it 100% real. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps I'm, again, just trying a bit too hard with the film. Maybe. Mm, right. Okay. Favorite points. Do you want to talk about what you absolutely loved? Because clearly you really, really like this film. I do. I really like mm. it. I I found myself having a hard time taking notes for it, which is why there is not a thought stock for this mm. episode. Yeah. Just because there's so much going on and I was like feeling so much while I was watching it that it was hard to distill that into pithy little mm-hmm. notes like I mm. usually do. 
I super hardcore relate to the way sadness was portrayed in this. I mean, okay. like I said, the the way she looked is the way sadness feels to me. Okay. Sadness and I are very intimate. And and so mm. for them to portray it that way just spoke to me. Mm. Um, the lines that she had, crying helps me slow down and obsess over the weight of life's problems. Um, I'm too sad to walk. Just give me a few hours. You know, it was really, really spot on to how sadness makes you feel, even mm. though it was done in this like over the top melodramatic way because we're seeing nothing but sadness in this character. When sadness is in the driver's seat of your brain, that's what happens to you. Mm. And and so to see it like that portrayed so well on the screen spoke to me. Okay. Um, I mean, obviously, Joy spoke to me as well because... <laughs> I love joy. I love things that spark joy in me. And um, I'm constantly seeking joy in my life now. And and so I really enjoyed haha, that <laughs> aspect as well. Um, one thing we haven't actually talked about, though, is the moment where joy herself breaks down and cries. Mm. I don't entirely know how to talk about that because the movie didn't really do anything with it. Mm. And, and I think they had an opportunity to do something there. But it... It was a really nice moment, but I don't really know how to put into words how it made me feel and and, and what Joy was feeling in that moment. Can you remind me of what that moment is? Yeah, I think it's it's when she's stuck in the pit and she can't get out. Mm, Okay. And and she breaks down crying in the pit. Um, And it's right before Bing Bong decides to sacrifice himself to get her out. Mm. Um, But she's just in the pit and she's feeling like Riley is never going to be happy again because she can't get there. And um, she's seeing the moments in the pit disappear and she just has a little breakdown. It's tough, isn't it? Yeah, Yeah. it is absolutely tough. I I think it's it without explicitly saying it, it's saying nobody can maintain happiness all the time. There's Mm. no such thing as a hundred percent joy, which is absolutely true. It's it's a moment of and, and I think that's probably one of the moments that helped Joy realize that sadness is necessary and, and shouldn't be relegated to the circle that you can't leave. Yeah. You know? Sadness. Mom and Dad. They came to help because of sadness. Oh, it's so good. Yeah, just the the core idea of it, if you try to maintain one, in inverted commas, positive emotion all the time, things will go wrong mm-hmm. and you'll end up breaking it. You need to have that nuance, have that variation, have that ability to accept sadness and anger and fear. Yeah, and, and maybe... Gosh, maybe the the movie's doing more than I'm giving it credit for because mm. also when you think about when you think about how all of the emotions are kind of pushing and pulling against each other in Riley because they all want to take center stage. They're all just this one thing and they only do one thing. And then you see the emotions that the parents have and they all the the parents' emotions kind of they've merged together a little mm-hmm. bit. They're all working together. They're all kind of feeling the same thing. Mm-hmm. It's not just sadness feels sad. It's they kind of, they're all on the same page. Yeah. And, and I think that's the journey that Joy's going through, that Riley is going through as she grows up. And mm. 
I didn't put that together until just now, and I really like that. And if that's really what the movie was going for, they did a really good job. And and the parents' emotions have the giant control panels with many, many buttons. Mm-hmm. Again, the nuance and variance of what you can do in your life. Mm-hmm. Whereas Riley has a very small panel with a couple of sliders and a few buttons. Like, right. she only has a few ways of reacting and understanding how to deal with stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep, and it's going to get worse when they press that puberty button. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I would have quite liked, so the night where she wakes up from the nightmare and she's not had much sleep, I really wish there had just been a thing of, like, the idea that he comes up with of running away fits more easily and better into the thing, like bad ideas, you're more receptive to them when you're tired or something. Just, right. But perhaps that's too far. Um, yeah. And I don't get enough sleep. <laughs> um, do you has this like you you made a comment there about you know that's what it's like when joy is in control when sadness is in control do you think this has given you more vocabulary to, or, or or way of talking about your emotions i think so honestly mm. you know i i've always prided myself on being fairly self-aware especially when it comes to my mental health but being able to visualize like you said, sadness pushing the button just because sadness wanted to do it. Mm. You know, that absolutely describes how sometimes sadness can feel when you just don't have a good reason for feeling the way that you feel. You just do, mm. you know, or, or having anger be in the driver's seat and, you know, holding those controls. Absolutely. I think it's a great way to visualize emotion. You know, it can't be the only way that you visualize it, but it can mm. definitely bring some understanding and calmness especially if you're so caught up in it that you don't really understand what you're feeling i i really liked and this hadn't occurred to me before but the thing of sadness touching this is what i was thinking of earlier sadness touching the memory and it turning blue Mm -hmm. And, and there's a thing in there about how they assume once you've turned it one way you can't turn it back the other way you know something that becomes sad because it's gone can't then become happy because you know you get over the sadness of it but this idea of actually you know yeah that there are things that you look back on that will cause anger in you that were happy at the time but now you're Mm -hmm. like how did i fall for that thing how did i waste my time on that thing the the changing emotion associated with core memories with general memories Mm-hmm. I, I really, again, like that visualization and the fact that you can have bits of a memory that have different colors and emotions to them. Mm-hmm. It really well, does does work and, and it stops you from necessarily feeling guilty, I think, about I used to find joy in that thing and now it's only sadness and anger or fear right. or, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, in that same vein, it's like the idea of joy not realizing that an emotion that ended up or a memory that ended up happy ended up happy after the feelings of sadness you know like Mm. when she missed the the hockey shot and they lost the game joy was only remembering how she felt when everybody came together at the end to comfort riley Mm. she completely forgot that all of those other things happened you know and god that's emotions are fickle man Mm. And and the fact that the core memory, the bit she was actually remembering was the happy bit. She mm-hmm. had eventually stopped remembering the sad bit of it. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, that is how particularly sadness and grief, that sort of depth of sadness, 
does work. You stop remembering the sadness of the the person you've lost, the thing you've lost, and it eventually becomes the positive elements of that thing. Did did you watch the Jim Carrey series, Kidding? No. Uh, there, there is a whole piece in that like this, because he's a sort of Jim Henson-esque character um, on a Sesame Street-like show, but he's the presenter. Um, and part of it is dealing with the fact that he lost his son and he wants to do something about it for the kids and eventually he does. He sits down and, and does a discussion with the camera with the kids watching and it is about imagine you've lost your favorite toy and what it's now going off to do and and just this uh, trying to teach kids how to deal with loss and sadness but what if when you get to your new home you discover that your favorite stuffed animal is missing someone put your stuffy in the box by accident how would you feel would you feel sad that you never got to say goodbye? Or would you feel okay? Because you know he's in a new home, a faraway home, laughing and playing and making other children happy. And there was, there was a lot of similarity with some of the stuff they do in here in that acceptance of, yeah, yeah, it is really sad and you just have to deal with it. Mm-hmm. Don't try and force it, become manically happy to try and get over something. Good oh, stuff. this this film's good. Yeah, it yeah. is good. What about you? I mean, you're kind of gushing about the whole film, but were there specific things that really stood out to you? Yeah, the, the whole thing is very well done for for such a difficult subject. And there were a number of people who reviewed it when it came out who talked about, like, this is going to be hard for kids to get. And I don't think it is. I mm-hmm. think they've actually done it in such a way that kids do get it. Um, the boyfriends are wonderful. <laughs> They shouldn't be. It should be an absolute throwaway gag. But the idea that this young girl has got an imaginary boyfriend, and she's she's clearly not into dating yet, mm-hmm. and, and her reaction with the boy at the end is not um, is not that the same thing that you get at the end of The Incredibles with Violet wanting to go out with the boy. This is more. She's just like. As and when I have a boyfriend, and and into that scene, what is he going to be like? Well, he's going to have hair and a leather jacket, long hair and a leather jacket, and he's going to be amazing, and he's going to want to die for me. Right. <laughs> just... Dude, I thought the boyfriends were so dark. Really? Yes, because she, like, Joy makes all of them, and then she kills them. <laughs> yeah, because especially because she says... Before. I would die for Riley. I would die for Riley. Okay, haircut. Time to prove it. Right? Like she knows what she's about to do. But because they're imaginary, because we've already seen a cloud killed, which right. is dark. Yeah. <laughs> Particularly when you know you then kill his, his wife. <laughs> but then, you know, as she's like getting ready to go over, they all shout, Now! For Riley! And then they're all dead. <laughs> it's so dark. I mean, it's hilarious. Yeah. But it's dark. But again, it's it's really good. And I like the way you see Imagination Land changing of her imagining unicorn things and cotton candy things and forest made of fries and so on. Mm-hmm. And it's getting into the things you imagine of, what when I have a partner? What do I want that partner to be like? Well, basically the Fonz, but modernized. <laughs> and and absolutely obsessed with me. Of course. Because <laughs> he will love me. 
<laughs> like the morning and the night. <laughs> All shall love me and despair. <laughs> Let's talk Bing Bong. Bing Bong. Bing Bong, Bing Bong. I didn't realise it was Richard Kind. I thought it was John Lovitz. And I don't okay. I don't know whether it's that they sound very similar or he is doing a voice more like a John Lovitz type voice. But the performance is really good because mm-hmm. he has to be really big and caricature. Mm-hmm. And and I think he absolutely manages that. But the character itself is very good. What seems like a absolute comic relief becomes the thing to teach us how sadness is important. No! No save Riley. Take her to the moon for me. Okay? I'll try, Bing Bong. I promise. Mm -hmm. And it ends up in a great place. It does. How hard did you emote with the moment he sacrifices himself? I did not cry. Oh, okay. I didn't. I'm surprised I didn't, Mm. but I did not cry. My heart kind of hiccuped. Right. I was like, oh. But I did not cry. Did did you have any moments that, you know, a little tear out of Mandy? No. Honestly, I'm really surprised, but I didn't. Mm. I just felt... Good. That sounds weird, I know. But I, I felt I felt like this was a really good story that was done really, really well. And so I was just kind of into that aspect of it mm-hmm. more than I was relating to the emotions specifically themselves. Right. Maybe I was watching it more analytically than emotionally, which is weird when it's a movie about emotions. <laughs> D- do you think it helped not taking notes to get into the film? I mean, is, is there something of not taking notes for other films and seeing if you take more from it? Maybe. I mean, I didn't I didn't intentionally not take notes. Mm. It just they didn't come out of me the way they normally do. Um I I didn't find myself like sometimes if I'm watching a movie with Joseph, I will, even if it's for the show and I've got my laptop open, sometimes I'll talk to him and I'll say things and he'll be like, you need to write that down. Mm-hmm. You know, and I didn't have any moments like that. I wasn't experiencing anything external. It was just, I was watching the movie and I was in the movie. Right. And and I I don't really know how else to explain it. Like it doesn't really make sense unless you're me, I think. No, it absolutely does. And and this is one of the reasons why, like, suddenly I, I feel going to the cinema is such a great thing because all you're doing is in the film. Right. You haven't got your phone, you haven't got your iPad or your laptop or anything. Mm-hmm. You're not having conversations. It's the film. And, you know, if you like if you like films, if you like two hour long stories, it's a great way to take them in. Mm-hmm. I don't disagree. All right. We've been talking about this one for a little while. Is there anything else that we need to discuss about Inside Out? I, I like the idea of the islands of personality. Um, and that she's got these sort of core islands. Then you see when she's grown up a little bit more, she's got even more islands. 
Mm-hmm. I like tragic vampire romance islands. Yes. <laughs> Obviously, you are a multifaceted human being with mm-hmm. many, many elements to me, to you. But what would some of your core islands of personality be? I would have a podcasting island. <laughs> nice. I would have a tragic vampire romance island. <laughs> With Detective Angel. Yeah, I think we um, all would, wouldn't we? <laughs> yeah, I think so. Um, I'm pretty sure I would have a library island or yeah. a bookstore island, just like a book island. Okay. Um, in general. Probably like a cooking island, food okay. island. Yeah, yeah. Some sort of thing. Mm. Lately, I would have a goofball island. Right. Nice. That's definitely been a thing that's happening in my life lately. Good. I'm, I'm not sure what else. I, I know there are others, but but those are the main yeah. ones right now. Nice. Um, I'm pretty sure you would have a woodworking island. <laughs> yeah. And a Star Trek island. Well, yeah. <laughs> what I, else? I would have an island of lists. I think that's fairly obvious. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> and, and that's right next to the island of dopamine when you complete the job. <laughs> <laughs> Just have a little like dopamine fountain on the island of lists <laughs> yeah, basically. that works as the list gets checked off. Yeah, right. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, but that's uh, there. There are so many ideas in this that are really good about how you know your personality works, your emotions work, your memory works. It's really good. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yep. I'm pretty sure I'd have a kitten island too. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. I'm going to be thinking about that one for a little while. Okay. Uh, some of the, the comments that we got back from people were that they absolutely did not like this. I think uh, at Garrett CRW said he hated it. Oh, goodness. Uh, I friend Kate at I Do, I Do Human Things. I also really don't care for it, but I watched it so long ago I can't recall why. Something about it being overhyped and therefore a letdown. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I, and we heard from people who really, really enjoyed it. V at Slayers, comma, the, they said, I enjoyed it. I love Amy Poehler's enthusiasm and joy. I like that it showcased a young kid experience strong emotions. What, can you understand why someone wouldn't have enjoyed it? Can you see that there may be things that yeah make it difficult to enjoy? Absolutely. I think particularly with as hyped up as it was, hmm. um, if you had seen it right around that time, you know, it, it may not have lived up to that hype for you. I think Joy's character can be difficult. Um, I, I think some of us probably know people in real life who are similar to Joy, and, and that can mm-hmm. be a turnoff. Mm. So I absolutely can understand why there might be some folks who aren't super excited about this one. I also wonder if, because it's such a strong visual metaphor for something that is absolutely abstract... Mm-hmm. You know, if you grind a person down to dust and powder, there is not a, a single atom of emotion in there. Right. If your sort of feelings on it and your understanding of it don't mesh with this metaphor, this metaphor doesn't work for you. Yeah, I can see you watching this going, no, this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. That that I well, can very much feel. Right. And, and there are some people who just don't. How do I want to say this? Like, like Joseph Just is one of those people. Who, no, no, not don't get it. But, no, but there are people who emotions just aren't that important to some people. Okay. And and I'm not saying that's true about anybody who who responded to to us on Twitter about this. But I mean, Joseph is one of those people. But, but you're who, saying your boyfriend's cold, basically. So 
A little I, bit. I get it. A little bit. Yeah. Um, and, and, and so for, for folks who kind of fall under that umbrella, this this is not going to appeal. Hmm. There was a joke when this came out, and this relates back a little bit to, to the, the joy moment in the pit of her breaking down. The, like, the list of Pixar films was, what if toys had emotions? What if cars had emotions? What if bugs had emotions? What if fish had emotions? What if emotions had emotions? <laughs> like, that is basically Pixar. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It absolutely is. <laughs> Pixar does emotions remarkably well. Mm-hmm. I mean, seriously, I'm still not recovered from the first 90 seconds of Up. Yeah. Honestly. Oh, yeah. that The, the opening to that is... is it's uh, the greatest love story ever told, dude. It absolutely is. And and the rest of the film after that is a little bit of a letdown by comparison. It is. <laughs> I mean, it's still really, really good, but yeah. nothing is going to live up to Carl and Ellie. No. All right. Well, if you would like to join the conversation, you can use the hashtag PC Deprived on Twitter. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Eloquent Gushing. Or you can send an email to podcast at eloquentgushing.com. You can find us both on Twitter. I'm at Mandy Kay. And I'm at Matthew Vose. We are completely funded by our lovely listeners like you through Patreon. Anything you can give, even $1 a month, it gives access to exclusive content and it helps to support the network and develop new shows. If you want to find out more, visit patreon.com slash eloquentgushing. And don't forget to visit the homepage where you can find all our other shows. The website is eloquentgushing.com. We'll be back next week with another episode where we'll talk about Some Like It Hot with Noelle from Still Pretty. Until next time, I'm Mandy Kay. And being cool is so exhausting. Pop Culturally Deprived is an Eloquent Gushing production. For more information, go to eloquentgushing.com or find us on Twitter at Eloquent Gushing.